0: Coming to you from Beaumont, this is your house call. Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, many of us have adapted to working from home and avoiding non-essential things like trips to the doctor or trips to the grocery store. But one group of patients in particular has not had the luxury of avoiding their doctor's office or their hospital, and that's pregnant patients. Not surprisingly, newborn deliveries have remained steady throughout COVID. Nurseries and OB wards are just as busy as ever. So what safety measures have we put in place to help protect newborns and their mothers during COVID-19? And just what can you expect when you're expecting, at least when you come to the hospital or to the doctor's office? That's what today's conversation is about. Hello and welcome to the Beaumont House Call Podcast. I'm Dr. Nick Gilpin, and my goal is to help you and your family live a smarter, healthier life. Today's conversation is an update on COVID-19. Joining us on the podcast today, we have Dr. Sam Bauer. Sam is the Chief of Obstetrics and Gynecology for Beaumont Health System. I've had Sam on speed dial for the last few months. We've worked together a lot to ensure that our OB practices and policies are as airtight as they can be and Sam has been an incredible resource for our health system. Today's focus is all about COVID-19, specifically on what we can expect to see around labor and delivery as we continue to navigate our new normal. So with that, welcome to the podcast, Sam. Thanks for having me. So first question, how you doing, man? You all right? We're doing okay. (laughs) It is a new
1: time for all of us, for sure. I think both for healthcare providers, they're Professional lives have certainly changed, in this new normal. Yeah. But our private lives certainly have, too, with our families and how we're, we're functioning. But but we're doing good.
0: Yeah, I, You know, so many um, doctor's offices, clinics, practices really sh- slowed down or shut down. You did not have that luxury. OB just kept on firing along. So talk me through the last few months for you. I mean, now we're in a bit of a, I guess I'll call it a lull. Um, We're seeing fewer cases, but just tell me what your experience was like going back in March and April when things were just the hottest of the hot. We realized after really
1: the first of the year that this was upon us, and both Beaumont Health as well as our Beaumont Medical Group really changed the way that we provided care to all of our patients, but certainly our OBGYN patients, almost overnight. It was almost over a weekend that we changed how patients were seen, and the experiences that they were getting. We um, have utilized, as most of you know, virtual visits and telemedicine, mm-hmm. something that we've been very interested in as an organization for years. And it continues to, I think, surprise surprise all of us, both our patients and us, how quickly we were able to turn it on. Oh, yeah. we. Um, we went from really no video visits in our
0: offices to greater than 25% video visits within about two weeks. It's impressive, isn't it? I, you know, I, I I'm going to echo that because you know, you know, speaking for my field, which is infectious disease. Yeah, I mean, this was clutch, especially for for outpatient encounters for things that are. I'm going to say. Um, maybe less serious, maybe less, uh, more routine follow-up types of things. I mean, this was absolutely clutch to have this in our toolkit.
1: Absolutely. And we were able to continue to provide pregnancy care for both low-risk patients as well as our high-risk patients with algorithms that were put together so that the patients would still continue to receive the same type of care. It might just be with a different um, interaction with their provider we also were able to uh, continue to provide ultrasound services for those patients um, for the fetal part of the, of the care as well.
0: One of the things that we've heard over and over uh, throughout this experience is that um, infants and children, generally speaking, are less prone to complications from COVID. Has that been your experience, Sam? That
1: continues to be our experience. Good. From a um, certainly from the from the adolescent GYN population, that has been true, but also for the newborns that we've seen in our in our hospitals, um, they've done very well.
0: Good. Yeah, I'm reading more now. In the initial goings, not a lot of data, right? But now I think we are gathering data, and we're finding that there's really less mom to baby transmission of COVID. Um, even than I think we expected there to be, right? Right. It speaks to the the need to continue
1: to conduct research in this population of pregnant women and lactating patients. Um, but what we have seen is that there is still very good evidence to continue to breastfeed patients, even in our COVID positive patients. There's lots of benefits from that, and we've seen that 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 relationship between parents and their and their children that hasn't really changed.
0: Not from any personal knowledge, but I I understand that being pregnant is a stressful time, period. Throw a pandemic into the mix, and I imagine your phone is probably ringing off the hook these days. So let's get granular here. Tell us what kind of things you've done to keep our expecting moms um, safe during their pregnancy. So the things like the masking, the social distancing, the screening. Just sort of walk me through a few of those things, Sam. Sure. So, in pregnancy, pregnancy
1: is one of these times that it's a great opportunity for women to either establish into healthcare or to continue the relationship that they have with their with their doctor, their midwife, their provider. And so, we're inherently doing these things even before COVID nineteen, making sure that women are staying safe. They're washing their hands. They're um, in this case now being masked. So mm-hmm. we were able to put in screening in place fairly quickly so that patients would be screened so that they would know that they would be safe if they were coming into a doctor's office to be seen and it was very helpful because many of the um, many of the of the private groups as well also we worked very closely together with those groups so we were providing the same type of screening and safety protocols whether it was from our BMG colleagues, whether it was from private groups, and certainly we've we've taken the the recommendations from the American College of OBGYN when it comes to screening patients, so she feels safe when she comes in. Initially we weren't allowing anyone to, to come with her. She was, we would do things on the phone, we would do televisits with the partner, um, but as the as we've become more comfortable with that, there's been more robust um, PPE and screening. We're now able to let visitors back, uh, one visitor back into our offices, um, to make sure that she's she's safe. And certainly on the on the backside, lots of um, cleaning and screening, and you know, certainly all the Beaumont Health employees are screened. And we've put together everything else that you would want to have a safe experience getting your prenatal care.
0: Well, that really mirrors what we're seeing you know we've had this conversation with other healthcare providers like primary care and emergency room and it mirrors what they're doing as well so you've got screening at the door when you come in everybody's wearing a mask they're taking chairs out of the waiting room to allow for more social distancing you're not loitering in the waiting room you're basically being put right into a room right away everything is cleaned you know 10 times over uh, really disinfected well and that also mirrors the experience that people are having at other pla- other non-healthcare venues. I mean, it's really the same type of protocols that they're using in retail stores and restaurants and other places. So this is not something I think that the public is unfamiliar with at this point, at least I hope not.
1: No, and if anything, this is going to propel healthcare forward. There is the concept that many of us have talked about that the concept of a waiting room is an interesting one. We've really, we really don't have waiting rooms right now. Patients have either stayed in their car and then have come in when it's their time and see the doctor. So there's none of this waiting. The, the patients aren't waiting for us. Um, so I think that's a benefit. We're actually providing more care um, than we were able to before because of the telemedicine as well. Patients couldn't come in be, for a whole host of reasons. In this case, it's because of Um, the concerns for COVID-19. But whether it's transportation or I need to work or they're really able to get the care that they need at the time that they want to do it. So it's much more convenient for them.
0: I echo that. And I also echo that, you know, with the more streamlined process of getting people in the door, getting patients in the door, roomed more quickly. You know, in the old world, um, patients would wait twice. You know, you'd come in, you'd check in, you'd wait in the waiting room. Eventually, you'd get put in an exam room. You'd wait again, right? So, you're, right? so a pretty inefficient system you know, from top to bottom. Now, I feel like that's been streamlined. And some of the feedback I've gotten from patients has been, you know, I was a little bit hesitant to come to the doctor's office. But overall, the experience was great. You did a good job. I, it was much more efficient than it normally is. And I think that's a silver lining, to say the least. I would agree. Walk me through, so so that was a very good way of sort of framing you know the the clinic experience. Walk me through what a mom could expect when she's coming into the hospital in labor. What does that experience look like now?
1: Sure. So moving from the this outpatient setting to, I'm coming in, for example, I uh, in labor. Screening would occur just like any other visitor to the hospital, both with the um, with the patient as well as if um, someone is with her. And then upon arriving into the labor and delivery area at any of the Beaumont Health Hospitals, um, the patient is then screened and then tested for COVID-19 um, at the time. Those are specifically right now for patients that are um, going to be admitted for labor and delivery. So I have a scheduled cesarean that I'm going to have, or I'm in labor, or something has changed in my health and it's time for an induction of labor, those patients are all screened and tested. We've now been able to um, come up with a fairly robust testing protocol, so we're able to do that fairly uh, expeditiously um, that's really helped to streamline the the process. So that's what kind of gets them into the door is they're here for admission, get screened, and um, then they're they move over to a room.
0: Just to differentiate for the folks listening, screening means I'm asking you questions. Have you had any symptoms? Have you had any contact with anyone with COVID? Are you having any cough or shortness of breath? Testing is something that we really haven't talked about in in other venues. And every one of these patients is getting not only screened, but also getting tested, correct? That's correct. And I can... I can speak to the the thought process
1: behind this because certainly, essentially, we're doing universal screening for patients. So that means universal just means everyone that walks in the door gets a test. And that really was born out of the experience in New York City, um, specifically at New York Presbyterian, um, and, and other large facilities in the area where they realized with their screening that they were able to pick up Cases of patients with COVID nineteen that they didn't know that they had. So this was back in the times where patient came in was not did not have any testing, went through a labor and delivery, and then ultimately became symptomatic. Mm-hmm. And she would have tested positive when she first came into the hospital. And so that was a lot of exposure to a healthcare team. Um, that we were able to change. And so we, Beaumont really was the, at the forefront of this in the state of Michigan to um, start that process. There's no standard, but we felt like being a little more proactive um, would help to protect the patients, help to protect the patient's families, and then certainly all of our staff that's with us.
0: Well, and hats off to you, Sam. I think you lobbied pretty hard for that. And, and it's evidence-based. And I think it's really been a, like you said, it's been a win for the, for the patients. It's been a win for the staff. I mean, remember, we're, we're not just caring for one person here. We're caring for mom. We're caring for baby. We're caring for anyone else who might be there with the person. So in, in that regard, I do like this protocol of, of universal testing. I think it does make good sense. Are there specific things you want moms to know about after the delivery? I mean, what are what are sort of your discharge instructions for someone now in the time of COVID? Sure. So know that the
1: process itself for labor and delivery remains unchanged. We have wonderful support staff to help patients through their labor and delivery, whether it's a vaginal delivery, cesarean section or something changed in their in their labor and delivery course. And certainly our postpartum teams are um, ready and available, very supportive to help patients as they transition from the outpatient setting to the inpatient or from the inpatient setting to the outpatient setting. And along these lines of changes in healthcare, we um traditionally, patients stay in the hospital for sometimes one, two, three days after a vaginal delivery and even longer for a cesarean. Sure. Um, we have curtailed that, made it shorter. So we really want to make sure that mom is safe, the baby's safe, and then they're discharged as, as quickly as possible with good follow-up with their doctor. So... In, in that, that was a, another project that certainly every hospital system had to go through with COVID was in addition to all of the postpartum teaching about look out for high blood pressure after delivery, look out for you know, signs and symptoms that your, your baby's not doing well, car seats, breastfeeding, all of those things. We also had to do additional education for COVID and, and um, exposure, just like we've talked about with washing hands, wearing masks. Those kind of things.
0: Imagine you weren't getting much pushback from patients to be discharged um, on the earlier side than usual, right? Yeah, people, no. It's people a, didn't want to hang around in the hospital a day longer. No,
1: for sure. They. Um, it has been and continues to be a journey with ensuring patients that hospitals are safe to have your to have your baby to have your delivery, but then also, understandably, labor and delivery is a is a very special time in a family's life. And for most people, the last thing they want to do is to be in an actual hospital. I mean, a hospital keeps them safe, and certainly mm-hmm. that is recommended. Um, but they're, they're certainly, we're
0: happy to leave. Well, let's hover on that for just a moment, because one of the hot topics around COVID is visitors. And in the early goings, I believe rightfully so, we were really clamping down on visitors. We really didn't want any extraneous extra bodies in the hospital that didn't have to be there. Now we've had the ability to sort of tighten up our policies. We are now allowing for visitors, correct? That's correct. We were, um, as you as you said, we
1: started when, when it was very high in Metro Detroit, mimicking other parts of the country. We really did clamp down and At that time, patients were having a a support person when they were delivering, um, but that was about it. And they had to stay with them in the room um, the whole time. And we've really transitioned to be able to provide more visitation for the patients.
0: Yeah, that's a good thing. You know, you also mentioned earlier breastfeeding and the importance of breastfeeding. So the science tells us now that, you know, even with the threat of COVID in the community, breastfeeding is still a good idea. Is that correct? That's correct.
1: Breastfeeding is certainly recommended for nutrition of your uh, newborn. And some of the the studies that have been released, um, breastfeeding is still recommended for certainly COVID negative patients, but COVID positive patients. It's important to have a, a dialogue, a conversation with your pediatrician, your obstetrician, and yourself to be informed. Um, there are very good ways of continuing to breastfeed um, if you for example, in a patient that is uh, I came in, I was feeling fine, but gosh i'm covid positive i 'm not quite sure how i'm covid positive but i'm covid positive. Certainly, there are ways of either being having a mask on and breastfeeding or we've had a lot of patients that will um, pump the breast milk, put it into a bottle, and give it to um, have someone else give it to their child
0: mm-hmm. We had a couple of other recent podcasts. One was um, the focus was on emergency care and the other was on um, primary care. And one of the things we heard from both of those physicians was tales of patients avoiding hospitals and clinics because of the fear of COVID and what the sort of downside of that is. Have you experienced this or have you seen this in your patients? And, and what sort of stories do you have about patients who have you know really avoided care unnecessarily. Sure. So as as you may have spoken about before,
1: Beaumont Health took on such a large amount of the population of COVID-positive patients that, and we're very transparent from the beginning, um, which I think is um, a double-edged sword, but certainly <laughs> um, I think it's important as as healthcare providers and a hospital to a community that you're transparent with what's going on. Yeah, agree. But in doing that, also, you want to make sure that you're communicating to your patients these safety things that we're talking about right now. That's probably the, one of the biggest lessons of COVID is continuing to provide good communication, shared decision-making with your patients about what's going on in the in the hospital. Now, we have had patients that do not want to come to the hospital. We've. Um, I'm a maternal-fetal medicine specialist, so in general, most patients that I see have something going on, either a maternal condition um, in the pregnancy or something going on with the baby. Um, we've had patients that we would recommend delivery for. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have high blood pressure. Maybe their diabetes isn't as controlled as as they either. As we want it to be, or that we can get controlled, and it's time for delivery because we're worried about you, the patient, the mother, and we're worried about her baby, and they would um, be pretty hesitant to come to the hospital. Um, so we ended up doing some some testing to try to go as far as until it was
0: time to go. Yeah, that that really does echo what we've heard in other venues. What type of symptoms, you know, if we could sort of give our public service announcement here, what type of symptoms should an expecting mom not ignore? What are the sort of red flag things that people should look out for? And what would be the protocol now in the age of COVID for getting those things addressed in a timely manner?
1: Sure. So... There's many physiologic signs and symptoms of pregnancy, and what that means is that these are all normal things, normal things that you're feeling. It's normal to feel short of breath. It's normal to have discomfort. It's often normal to have gastrointestinal um, complaints in the third trimester, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. These are all signs of labor. Um, but there also should not be a change in the baseline, meaning I have a baseline amount of, of of shortness of breath, but now all of a sudden I'm feeling really short of breath. Um, certainly, any patient that has a fever that's pregnant has to be evaluated by her OBGYN or midwife.
0: What if I'm in one of these situations where um, I'm a patient? I have to have a prolonged hospital stay for one reason or another. Talk about that. Kind of walk me through what that looks like now in the uh, in the COVID environment that we're living in.
1: We were able to look at our our labor and delivery and our antepartum area. Antepartum is where you go if you're not in labor and we're trying to prolong the pregnancy. And our postpartum area to really identify where was the best place for patients if they were COVID positive. And so we did what's called cohorting, which means that we identified areas within the labor and delivery area that we would have all of our COVID positive patients, whether they were in labor, whether they were having a cesarean delivery, or if they were antepartum. So that was able to keep each group, one identified for everyone, so that we making sure that, that we're giving safe precautions um, and, and providing reassurance to those that are negative. There's oftentimes that we will have patients that come into the hospital who are not ready to have the baby yet but need to be hospitalized for additional observation, treatment and surveillance. And those those times can sometimes be fairly short. Sometimes it's a it's a brief 24-48 hour period of time. Let's make sure your baby's doing okay, make sure you're not in labor, making sure your concern that brought you to the hospital has been addressed. You feel comfortable, everyone feels comfortable, and you're discharged. There's other times that patients will be admitted, and because of what has happened in a pregnancy, maybe their water broke early, maybe they're having challenges with their blood pressure or their blood sugar, and they need to be hospitalized until it's time for delivery. And that can sometimes be days, it sometimes can be several weeks. And so we wanted to make sure that we've created a space for them to be able to feel co- as comfortable as you can being in the hospital, being away from your home, being away from all of your family, things that are familiar. And at this at this time now, we're able to have uh, you're able to have a visitor certainly be there um, during during that stay, and we've tried to make it as comfortable as possible for the
0: patients. Sure. Now the the patients have a little bit more freedom to roam about, um, and you know, our hospitals have a little bit more bandwidth now to accommodate patients, uh, certainly patients that are COVID negative. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to ask you to (laughs) step away from your comfort zone for just a minute and make a prediction. So I've been reading some um, conjecture about what the future may hold in terms of the number of babies being born in the coming months, maybe even a few years down the road, and there's a lot of projection that we're going to see a decline in the number of births. What are your thoughts on that, Sam?
1: I think that initially most... Most people would think that if there's something that dramatically happened in your community, such as a blizzard, such as if the power goes out for a week, those kinds of things, that up nine months later, you're going to have this huge surge in the birth rate. And I think that I think that held true for a little bit of time now. But now there's been so much change in people's lives, both from an economic standpoint, from an employment standpoint, from an anxiety and stress standpoint, that I agree with the projections. That for for uh, until we really get our arms around this, um, I think we're we will not see the birth rate increase.
0: Well said. Let's leave it there. That's about all the information we have time for today. I want to thank Dr. Sam Bauer for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Sam. You're welcome. I also want to remind our listeners that uh, all this and more can be found at beaumont.org safe. We also have your one-stop shop for all things coronavirus at beaumont.org coronavirus. We're doing a series of COVID-19-related podcasts with different subject matter experts, including topics such as getting your regular screenings and checkups, surgery, emergency care, and outpatient care. I also want to remind you to send along any questions or suggestions to podcast at beaumont.org. And with that, I will leave you today with this healthy thought. For better or worse, many health-related issues took a pause during COVID. But for pregnant women, the show must go on. Rest assured that hospitals and clinics are taking the appropriate precautions to provide safe care for women seeking care for matters related to their pregnancy and gynecological health and wellness. Don't delay necessary care for you or your baby. Your doctors are here and ready to help for all your concerns, big and small. Thank you. Continue your journey to living a smarter, healthier life.
1: Visit beaumont.org podcast to access information and resources
0: related to today's podcast.